Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. My partner, Luke Johnson, will be off today. He's not going to be here, but uh, we're going to carry through and uh, do the show for you as the best we possibly can. All right, Dr. Mark Horn is our guest today. And uh, he's with us. We appreciate very much uh, all the time he spends with us. We know they're very busy. And uh, Dr. Horn, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the Eagle Hour with us. All right. First thing I have to get to today and ask you, and I talked to you briefly about this before we went on the air, 257 new cases of the virus reported in Mississippi over the last 24 hours. I was startled to see that number. That's the highest number that I've seen uh, in a day since I've been monitoring the situation. Uh, tell our listeners, if you will, sir, what do you think that means? It's hard to say what a single day means in comparison to what you have to look at as a trend over time. So if we see continued 200-plus days uh, or several more days in a row, then we will know that that is a significant increase. Any one day could be due to increased testing at a location, uh, if there was a test and drive, the uh, Department of Health has had some of those in some places. Uh, if there were more testing going on in one particular location, it might represent, it might skew those numbers. So one day I'm not overly concerned about. I will be honest with you that in some personal communications with our state health officer, uh, those 200 numbers are things that had been anticipated mm-hmm. several weeks ago. So it's not really that shocking. Uh, if it stays up, then it's more of a concern. But if we see it go down, and our numbers over the past week or so, they'll be high one day, low the next, higher the next day, lower the next. So mm-hmm. it's, it's Here's another stat that I found a, a little bit surprising, and that is that the, uh, the, is that the people uh, contracting the disease, the state breaks it down by age group. And the highest age group uh, so far is 40 to 49, followed by 60 to 69. But even that age group, only one case higher than 50 to 59. So uh, the the early thought that this virus only affects older people not proving necessarily to be true. That is correct. We've known for some time. The older someone is and the more we call it comorbidities in uh, in medical terms. But what that means is how many other illnesses you have. So the more sick you are, the more illnesses you have, and the older you are, the more likely you are to have a bad outcome or for you to have a more severe case of the disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, it, you know, since we were seeing so little of it in, the, in younger people, we didn't realize that they could have it and have no symptoms. We used the word asymptomatic. So asymptomatic or without symptoms, younger people kind of flew under our radar initially. Once we figured that out a few weeks back, we started looking more, and we're finding a lot of younger people have the disease. They just seem not to express the more bad outcomes that we see in older people or sicker people. Unfortunately, they can pass it on to their grandmothers and grandfathers and older people that they come in contact with. So 
the younger people need to take the same precautions as those of us like me at 58 have to take. All right. Some of our listeners have have cued me into the fact they like these these questions that you've answered that provide them with some common sense information. So I have a few more that have been sent to me that I want to ask you about while we have you today. Handling money and debit cards. Can the virus uh, live on your cash, on your debit cards? And if so, how should you handle that? The short answer is yes, but it needs more uh, nuance. So the debit card is plastic and the money, of course, being paper. And there's a, uh, an interesting uh, study done a few weeks ago to see how long the virus would last on various surfaces. And the scientists had uh, a device that would atomize or make a fine mist similar to that of the size of droplets that would come out of your mouth if you uh, were speaking or out of your nose if you coughed and sneezed. So they were able to take the virus and make a mist like that and see how long it would stay in the air and see what it would happen and how long it would survive if it landed on a variety of surfaces. One surface was cardboard, one was stainless steel, one was copper, and one was a hard plastic. And then they uh, looked to see how long the, uh, the virus would remain viable or survive on those various surfaces. The surface with the shortest lifespan of the virus was cardboard. So on paper, it usually, paper and cardboard, it doesn't last very long, a few hours at best. So yes, if somebody sneezed or coughed on a piece on a $20 bill and handed it to you, that's not, not good. Number one is bad manners. And number two, it would uh, certainly have potential to spread the virus. If you touch money and you're concerned about paper or money or things like that, just leave it sitting out uh, at, at home uh, for several hours, and it should be much safer. Okay. That's one. Two, the plastic surfaces, your debit card, it's not a bad idea to sanitize it periodically. Just take some uh, alcohol wipes or something of that nature and wipe it down, and you should have sanitized Right. Okay. Another the question. metal surfaces, stainless steel was the worst of the metal surfaces, and mm-hmm. copper had a very, very short duration. Something about the copper didn't fit well with the virus. So if you have a Sorry. stainless steel refrigerator, oven, that sort of thing, good idea to sterilize it a couple times a day. Wipe it down. Just wipe it down with an antiviral, um, you know, Lysol or alcohol or something of that nature. Uh-huh. All right, Doctor, you know, we all love our pets, and uh, a story breaks earlier this week that a tiger at the New York Zoo tests positive for this virus. Any danger to our pets, any danger, uh, you know, that the, that the pets uh, could have the virus on their hair or skin? So there's actually two questions. Um, the hair or skin, the answer is yes. If you have the virus or someone has the virus and they're around your pet, and they call for sneeze, and those particles uh, land on the pet's hair. That is what we call, in medical terms, a fomite, F-O-M-I-T-E. And fomites are these particles that have infectious materials, in this case, virus. It could be bacteria in a different setting. But in this case, it's a virus. And so that fomite can be transferred to whoever pets the animal. So, yes, the pet's hair and uh, could become infectious so people who are sick should stay away from their pets. Now, the other, second question is, can the pet acquire and have the virus growing inside their nasopharynx, their nasal passages, their mouth and stuff? And the answer is, interestingly, yes. There's evidence that that indeed happens. We don't know how important that is. We don't really know if they can spread it back to humans. We have to presume that they could. 
there's nothing that I've seen. Doesn't mean it, a lot of the, about this disease is not known, but we don't yet have evidence that the pets are harmed by it, mm-hmm. as best we understand. Okay. Can a human contract the virus from their pet? We don't know, but I think you have to presume that it could happen. So, okay. but well, there's nothing. We don't advise testing your pet or anything of that nature. If you know, there is good evidence and good advice from the CDC that says that if you have COVID-19, you've been diagnosed with it, either presumed to have it based on your history and symptoms or have been tested and proven to have it, that you should remain away from your pets if at all possible. When they say quarantine or isolate yourself, they mean from your pets and from everybody else in your household. We know it's not easy for people to do, but we do also know that the more we're able to meet those guidelines of self-isolation, the better off everybody's going to be and the less the disease will spread. I only have 30 seconds left in this segment. Yes or no, uh, follow the CDC's advice, and if you're out in public, wear a cloth mask. Absolutely, yes. Okay, so that's, uh, that's beneficial for you as well as other people. Do I understand that correctly? Primarily protects others from you, provides some modest protection from of you from others. All right, Dr. Horn, I'm going to hold you over. I understand you have some good news in the midst of all this uh, terrible stuff that we're all dealing with, and uh, I'm sure Eagle Hour listeners uh, will gallop down any good news that they can take. So if uh, you'll stick around, we're going we're gonna to talk to you about good news, and we're going to bring your son on the show, and we have a specific reason for doing that. So uh, we'll look forward to that on the other side of the break. We're talking to Dr. Mark Horn, Chief of Medicine at South Central Regional Medical Center in Laurel. Kelly Santer will be joining me in the last half of the hour, and we will talk sports. But right now, we've got a great source of important information about COVID-19, and uh, we're taking full advantage of him, and we're grateful for that. More with Dr. Mark Horn and his son, Fletcher, when we come back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I want to thank Dickie's Barbecue Pit for sponsoring that opening segment with Dr. Mark Horn. I want to remind everybody that Dickie's is open. Uh, they're serving their great food seven days a week through drive through and delivery. You can go to dickies.com and place an order. They'll have it ready for you. Uh, you can also call them up and uh, place an order, and they will arrange delivery to your house. Please, we want everybody to continue to support their local restaurants. Also, Campus Bookmark, one of our longtime sponsors of the show, is closed to the public, but CampusBookmark.net is open. There's someone there waiting and delivering orders daily. So if uh, you want to brighten up your day, perhaps, by buying something related to Southern Miss, you can go to CampusBookmarkMart.net. You can uh, check out their inventory online and have it delivered to your home and uh, have it there in just a day or two to uh, make your day a little brighter. All right. Kelly joins me a little later in the show, but right now we want to continue our conversation with Dr. Mark Horn. And here momentarily, we're going to bring his son Fletcher on. But before we get to that, Dr. Horn, one more question. Everyone's a little confused and obviously any sort of symptom alarms you. 
The things that we hear are fever, cough, and shortness of breath. Have you seen any cases where perhaps it would be something that is not accompanied by a fever where a person had tested positive for the disease? Yes, we are. So, you, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. You can, you can no, have the disease without having fever. Is that what I'm hearing? That is correct. Uh, the vast majority of people who have the disease do have fever. And the more symptoms you have, if you're short of breath, coughing, and have fever, you're much more likely to be contagious. You'll be shedding more of the virus. There are, however, people who have either minimal symptoms or even no symptoms, none. They don't know they have it that have been tested. We haven't found that locally because we haven't had the supplies to test that broadly. But we do know there are readily there are many reported cases of people who have no symptoms being found to have uh, the uh, virus. So yeah, it can be sneaky. And that that's really the the greatest danger of all, is it not? It is. If someone doesn't know and they don't wear their mask in public, then they talk to someone and they they're spreading potentially spreading the virus. What we do know is that the people who have no symptoms seem to be less contagious. It's not that they're not contagious at all. It's just that they're less contagious. Okay. And so the main things to do are, are to continue to social distance, sterilize areas and joint workplaces, that sort of thing. And that largely should protect you. Is that not the correct assumption? It is the best we can do, and it has the greatest impact. That's what I tell people. Um, what we've done a week and a half to two weeks ago is what's determined what we're experiencing today. So those 200 and some odd, those 280 some odd cases today, that that uh, die, that fate was set uh, between 10 and 14 days ago. And so what we do today determines what's going to happen 10 days to two weeks from now. So what everybody does, the more you're able to socially distance, the more you're able to stay home and away from others, the less the disease has an opportunity to spread and the quicker we'll be out of this. Okay. All right, let's talk about something positive. Your son, Fletcher, is with us now, and he is a candidate for Eagle Scouts. And you told me a story, and I think I saw it on some other local media last night, uh, that this young man has raised several thousand dollars to uh, to help those on the front lines fighting this disease. Tell us, uh, tell us a little more about that. Well, uh, Fletcher, uh, I had to come home uh, after our first – cases at South Central were diagnosed, and I could see that some of the staff were, you know, they were concerned, and I had talked to them and explained what was going on and what we were doing to help protect them and take care of the patient. And the next morning, it just struck me, something that my father had done when I was young and working hard with him and hot and sweaty, he would bring us a treat. And so I took a couple, I took a few dozen donuts to the hospital to give to the people in the ER and uh, in the ICU and on Third West where this patient had been taken care of. And I saw what an effect it had on their, lifting their spirits. Um, came home and told my wife, and Fletcher heard that, and it inspired him. And I'll let him tell the rest of the story. All right, so, Fletcher, welcome yeah. to the Eagle Hour. Yeah, so I heard that he had um, taken food to uh, hospital workers, and that had been a good encouragement. And I had seen on the news where other people had done the same. So I decided that um, I think I should do that, or we should try to do that more often and keep trying to encourage 
uh, our hospital workers, but we plan on feeding them using local businesses. Sounds like a great idea, and I understand that you had enormous success. Yes, so our original goal was $2,500, and within 24 hours, we had already doubled that and hit 5000 and then within the next two days, we had just hit 6000 so we're, uh, we definitely exceeded our expectations. So let me make sure I understand this. You're taking that money, you're buying food from locally owned restaurants, and you're using that to, to provide this food for the hospital and... Police, I guess police, first responders, everybody that's involved in this fight. Yes, sir. We uh, well, we plan to deliver the first meals on Saturday and Sunday. Um, that's as quickly as we can get money from GoFundMe. And uh, it took a little while to work with the hospital to make sure that we could do it safely. But they were very eager to help us in this. So Saturday and Sunday, we'll be taking some food to uh, various frontline workers at the hospital just to say thank you from the community. Well, this is a win-win in two areas, though, because obviously we provide this for, or you provide this for the frontline workers, but also uh, you're infusing some money into the local restaurants that, that need it. Am I correct? Yes, sir. All right, Fletcher, i got to ask you something, son. How old are you? Fifteen. Fifteen years old, and, and you have raised over $6,000 this week to help uh, first responders and medical workers in Jones County. Am I hearing that right? Yes, sir. Well, (laughs) that's pretty remarkable. Uh, While most uh, 15-year-olds probably spent the week playing video games, uh, you were accomplishing this. So congratulations to you. Are you going to continue doing this? Uh, Yes, sir. I plan on it. I think we're going to try to do this as long as we can, at least, at least a month. But, um. The more donations we get, the more meals we can obviously provide. And whatever money ends up being left over, we plan on donating to the South Central Healthcare Foundation. Okay, and I understand as well that you may have you may be getting some help from some of the uh, from some of the local media in your area. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. I've been on two radio stations and the local news station. Okay, and I understand that there may be some activity by Hedrick Sign Company to. To help promote this, did I did I hear that correctly? Hedrick and Busby, uh, Leonard, uh, Leonard Busby of Busby Signs and uh, the Hedrick Sign Company both have uh, gra- very graciously said, "Hey, we'd love to put billboards up on this. That way, people can see the GoFundMe site, and it's GoFundMe dot com. Feed the front lines, Laurel. If you just go to GoFundMe and type in Feed the Front Line, Laurel, you'll see it." Uh, and, um, you know, the more, like you said, the more that is given, the more we'll do, uh, we'll, uh, and, um, anything that's, we don't touch the money. It's not, uh, it's very safe. Um, it all goes to GoFundMe and then, then it goes directly to an account at Bancor South. The Bancor South was very gracious to help us set that up so we could make, be really good stewards of what the community, the resources the community gave us. And I'm going to guess, Dr. Horn, you're pretty proud of this young man. I kind of like him. I'm a little bit biased. (laughs) Well, I I can understand that. Well, uh, Fletcher, congratulations to you. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, when I get off the show today, I'm going to, I'm going to call Jackson and I'm going to see if I can make some arrangements to get you on one of our uh, network programs up there. 
uh, so we can reach uh, some people in the state that perhaps are you don't get the Eagle Hour, although it is streamed, and uh, give you just as much support and publicity of this as uh, we possibly can. Dr. Horn, I've got one minute left uh, before we get a chance to talk to you again. Uh, give, if you will, please, our listeners, your forecast of, of what you think still lies ahead. You know, it's difficult. The models uh, are somewhat variable. My sense of things is that we are nearing a peak. Uh, I don't know that that's true, but that's my sense, is that we're getting close to a peak. Uh, we're forecast to hit a peak somewhere uh, within the next uh, 10 to 14 days. I think that's about right. Uh, it's going to take a while to recover, but what people do today, I keep coming back to it, What the, the decisions that you make today about social distancing, about decreasing your public exposure, that's going shopping stuff, minimize it, minimize it, minimize it. Take care of things at home. Get things done right. Uh, clean up at the house. Get a project finished at the house. Limit your public exposure. What you do today determines how quickly we get out of this. So please help us. All right, sir. We're very grateful for the time you take us. We understand how busy you are. We think it's so important to get this information out. And uh, we're going to lean on you again next week if you have time. And uh, very much appreciate the, the time you take with us. You're very welcome. All right, Dr. Mark Horn, everybody. And Fletcher Horn, who's uh, really doing a great and fabulous uh deal there in jones county so if you can contribute to that and let's feed the hospital workers and all the people on the front line fighting this terrible situation uh, that faces all of us all right when we come back we're going to switch gears guys talk a little sports kelly sander i've located him he'll be next on the eagle hour To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the Eagle Hour, everybody. I want to thank Dr. Mark Horn for joining us. Uh, very gracious of him to do that every week. We know how busy he is. Also, his son, Fletcher Horn, uh, raised $6,000 in this just one week to uh, spend at local restaurants over in Jones County to feed hospital workers and first responders. And what a great project by that 15-year-old. Uh, so, Kelly Santer, every 15-year-old doesn't have their head buried in a video game. This young man raised six grand in five days. That does that does give us hope, us older folks. And, and to you <laughs> younger kids, you know, do what you want to do. Just don't touch my Social Security. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Right. All right. This segment is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. They're serving up great food. You can call in your order and drive right into the front of 4th Street Bar and Grill. And one of the guys will bring it out to you. So there's very, very little interaction with anybody. The food is delicious. In fact, I've kind of got a shrimp poor boy on my mind for the weekend. But we encourage everybody to support our local restaurants like 4th Street Bar and Grill. All right. My buddy Kelly Sander is with me. We're going to spend the rest of the show talking about some sports stuff and get away from COVID-19 just a little bit. But, you know, it's all it's sort of all wrapped up with each other isn't it kelly and uh, you've been reading some stuff about how the, how this virus is already affecting finances in college sports yeah in fact yesterday the uh, the sec team said a uh, and, and we try not to mention the sec as much as we can <laughs> as much as we can but 
Um, at a conference call yesterday just talking about, you know, w- what are the chances that they're going to get a, a full football season in. And, um, and generally the consensus was is the, the timeline going forward will not be predicated by anything other than the virus. They're actually adopting what Dr. Anthony Fauci said is, is we are not going to set the timeline. The virus will set the timeline. So, um, so there still is no you know, definite answers there. Um, when, when asked about what could those dates be, or what, that's, that's what they're trying to solicit now. They're saying, okay, let's try to focus in on a date that we might be able to get everybody you know, on the same page going forward. The problem is, is, is obviously when you have, and this is no different for the SEC than it is any other conference, each state has its own you know, curve, as it was, in this, in this battling this virus. So some states might be further ahead in battling the virus than others. So to be able to set a blanket date as to when it would be good for everybody to get back to work on the football field in this case makes it even more difficult because, again, some states are ahead of others as far as uh, you know being ahead of the curve, literally. So they've got their work cut out for them there as to, as to you know, when they could get back to work and, and make it fair for everybody being on the same page. Now, the Big 12 uh, yesterday um, actually has implemented a 10% cut across the board for the, the, all of the employees of the Big 12 conference. Uh, they operate out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, 10% pay cuts across the board there. They were anticipating an NCAA payout of $24 million. Now, that, that would have been included the Big 12 basketball tournament and the NCAA basketball tournament payout. But because neither of those happened, they have gone uh, from expecting $24 million in payouts down to $10 million, which is still a, a pretty good chunk of change. But when you have budgeted $24 million and you're down to 10 you can see that even, even with the power schools, this is going to have a huge make a huge financial dent and some very scary decisions are going to have to be made going forward. So if you, if you've got that much money that's being missed out on by the power five, what's it going to do to schools like, you know, Southern Miss and UAB and, and schools that would be con- considered uh, mid majors. And of course we won't have any answers to those questions for probably a good while yet, but um, there's, and, and recruiting, this is all rec- uh, affecting recruiting too, because now, it's essentially recruiting by virtual reality. I mean, athletes now are having to send videos of their workouts into their coaches via Instagram or YouTube or things like that, which that would tend to be an equalizer to the smaller schools because uh, they don't have the budgets to be able to go coast to coast anyway in looking at athletes. But, but social media can help those athletes, you know, come to, the, to, the, to those smaller schools, you know, as it were. And John Calipari was talking about, you know, the downtime in, in recruiting here now. He kind of likes it. He says it's a time that we can actually catch our breath and reacquaint ourselves. You know, coaches reacquaint themselves with families and actually, you know, take vacations when the time is right. So he thinks that, that the, the long-term effect of this downtime now, even though it's because of a horrible thing like the virus, that something good might come out of it is that, um, you know, they might – they might continue this to, 
to be a quiet period during the summer to where coaches can, can breathe a little bit. So there's a lot happening, Bob. A lot no, happening no in hey, you, know, you say about small schools. I was thinking about this yesterday about Southern Miss. So it's my understanding that the majority of season ticket holders in baseball let their money stand. They didn't ask for money back. So that helped the baseball program. But the baseball program obviously lost all of that walk-up revenue, all of the concession revenue, all, all of that money. Now, on the other hand, the school did not have to pay for the spring sports, traveling the volleyball teams, the softball teams, all of those things. And so maybe to a degree that balances out uh, to some degree. But, buddy, I'm going to tell you what. If there's no football revenue coming in this August and season ticket sales drop considerably because people are just not certain about you know how things are going to be, do I really want to invest money, am I going to go sit in a stadium with 30,000 people, then we're talking about a whole other scenario, aren't we? And that, there lies the rub. That is, that is certainly well said, and, it's, and it's, it's a reasonable argument. And so you're, you're going to have to make decisions based on guesses. Because, again, there's no precedent in this. We've never, we've, never, you know, we've never had to swim in waters like this before. So the athletic directors are going to have to rely on a lot of different people, you know, epidemiologists and public health officials. And, um, yeah, it's – and we talked last week about how some, you know, Old Dominion has already announced it's going to drop wrestling next year. Of course, again, only 75 schools participate, you know, have a wrestling program at the Division One level. So they thought that decision might have been coming anyway. But now, you know, Old Dominion has said that they're, they're considering dropping a lot of what would be considered minor sports – Tennis, golf, cross country, um, you know, things like that, uh, which which would certainly be unfortunate. But the reality is it, it always, Bob, it doesn't matter what the situation is. It always comes down to money. And we forget lots of times that college athletics is a business. Right. It's all about money. It, it's always about money. And I hate it. Right. But that's that's the way it is. So, Kelly, all things being relative, income being different, uh, expenses being different uh, based on wh- what school you're talking about, who stands to suffer the most if football gets interrupted to any degree? Is it the rich Power 5 schools? Is it the not-so-rich uh, group of five schools? You would think that across the board it would be somewhat relative, because if, if a school has a budget of $40 million, they probably are spending $41 million. You know, whereas a school who has a budget of, you know, I just I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm just saying you, you tend to spend, you know, what you make. So you would think if, if those cuts are all as drastic, but, but you would also think that the rich have more padding, mm-hmm. to speak. You know, they have more leeway. They're not operating so close to the edge. As so, when you put it that way, obviously you know the rich always come out best, whereas the schools that that don't have as big big of budgets you know, are the ones that get the short end of the stick again, and um, so that's what you would think, um, and that's that's right where we are. That's right, and I say we, you know, Southern Miss, you, you know, it's it's no secret, you know how how money's tight, you right. know, right. And, and, and there are no. schools in worse shape than that. I mean, you know, there are, I'm sure there are a group of five schools with, with smaller operating budgets and, and less revenue than Southern Miss. So you just wondered, Kelly, if, 
if some of these aren't going to become a casualty uh, before it's all said and done. Are you talking about the overall athletic programs? Correct, right. Well, I think, I think another part of this puzzle, though, Bob, is that, and, and you've seen it in attendance the past five years, that, and we'll use college football as an example, okay? And not any one particular league, but attendance at college football games is down across the board. We talked about this way before the pandemic hit last fall during football season, that numbers are down. This next generation coming up, they're just not, generally speaking, the sports fans that the generation was ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if those, if those numbers continue to drop, this is going to make the numbers drop even further, which, again, you know, attendance drives how much advertisers pay for their word to get out, which, which dictates how much you know, TV contracts are going to be negotiated for, which dictates how much each school is going to get from the conference. It all trickles down. And the fewer people that are going to games, the, the less money there's going to be, and there's going to have to be some casualties. I don't know about overall athletic programs, you know, the entire athletic programs, because it would stand to reason your bell cows of football would be untouchable. But other than that, you know, these minor sports that, you know, ODU was talking about last week, you know, the tennises, the cross countries, the um, golf, you know, things like, you know, sand volleyball, maybe just some soccer. Right. Right. Uh, something's going to have to go at some point. Right. All right. We'll continue our conversation. Kelly and I'll be right back after this. One more segment for the week. So don't go anywhere. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. Quick reminder, tomorrow being Good Friday, that's a Telesouth Communications holiday, so we will be running a best of Eagle Hour. In fact, we're going to run the show that we did Monday when uh, Kelly actually arranged the interview for us, the young man in Florida, former football player Kelly, that uh, actually has had COVID-19. Yeah, uh, and uh, Bill and Rita. Yeah, we thought that was a great interview and, and a great positive interview of how this thing isn't fatal for everyone. And uh, so we look forward to uh, having that show on tomorrow. Just give you a heads up in case you didn't hear the show. I would encourage you to tune in if you did want to uh, provide you with a heads up. This segment sponsored by Hattiesburg Toyota. Car dealerships considered essential. Hattiesburg Toyota is there to serve you. I'm sure they've made a lot of arrangements to keep you safe if you need some service for your car. If you're in the market for a car, we encourage you to check them out. Go by their website at Hattiesburg Toyota. We appreciate their support of the show. All right, good Friday tomorrow, Kelly. I want to stay on sports, but just quick, your thoughts. I'm just not comfortable. I'm not comfortable with people being told they can't go to church on Easter Sunday. I think most churches would be very responsible in distancing people uh, you can go to the grocery store, you can go to Lowe's, you can go to Home Depot, but you can't go to church. That's not uh, something that I'm very comfortable with. Your thoughts? I, I understand. I understand. you, and, and I happen to agree with you, Bob. And then, then you put it in the church's hands as to whether they want to, um, you know, whether they want to open their, their doors or not. But um, uh, and, I, and I think people are getting it. I think they're finally getting it. The, the, they can take precautions and they can wear their masks and mm-hmm. things like that. But if they felt that they would be, you know, more blessed 
to actually go to their house of worship. I agree with you. I think they, I think they, they should. should. Speaking yeah. of masks, Kelly, I want to let you know, Telesouth this morning, I was kind of indirectly involved with that. One of our employees is a very good seamstress, and she's making masks. And uh, so the company ordered quite a number today. Uh, to, they're going to provide masks for everyone uh, associated with the company. I, I want you to know I'm working hard to special order you a Washington Redskin mask. Oh, Bob, you're breaking up. I, th- I thought you said you were going to try to get me a Washington <laughs> Redskin mask. But those are those would only be placed over your nose two weeks from tonight when they probably draft some crappy players. Right, uh, but they'll come in handy this fall because you'll be able to cover your nose and your eyes when you're trying to watch them play. Yes. Yeah, it'll be it'll it, it won't be anything you'll want to see. It won't be anything too pretty. That's for sure. So the draft's a couple weeks away. That's that's something we've got to look forward to. Yeah, and I re- and I really think that a lot of the decision it's going to be a virtual. You know, like like things have been doing. You've seen NASCAR last week. They've got these. You know these internet racing cars with, with the, the digital animation and stuff. It makes it look so real, but it's it's the NASCAR guys just sitting in their living rooms on these remote control you know deals, <laughs> uh, like very much like teenagers do. And the Indy cars are doing the same thing. And um, so it's going to be a, a virtual draft. But I mean, I think one of the reasons they decided to to keep it was because they could do it that way, and knowing mm-hmm. that it's going to be the only show in town. It's probably. Good. I'm, I'm telling you, the ratings for it's going to go through the roof because it's, it's it actually means something. It'll just be you know in a different form, but it means something. It, it'll really be big. A three day three day draft. That's nothing different, but mm-hmm. because nobody will actually be there, and uh, you'll see people making picks off of their computers and whatnot. Uh, Two weeks from tonight, yeah, the right. National Football League draft. You know, game. even under normal circumstances, I find myself watching it and really enjoying it. And I hear so many guys that say they watch it. You know, I'm not really sure why, Kelly, but there's just something about it. You see these opportunities develop for these young men and their families. And I don't know, man, there's something uplifting about it. And I think this year it'll, it'll be more so than ever. And every year, regardless of what team you cheer for, because heaven knows you and I cheer for two of the worst right. ever. <laughs> and we're least, proud least, to say so. At least, yeah, at least recently, <laughs> the draft. There's always that glimmer of hope that this year's going to be different. Correct. You know, it fades so, pretty fast if you're a Redskin fan, but but it does. At least it exists for a couple of days, right? Yeah, yeah. You can enjoy it for a couple of days, and reality, you know, sets in. <laughs> um, and and we hope that, that the football season's you know going to be here. The, the, you know, the marketing departments of all the college, all the colleges across the country, Bob. The marketing departments are really going to earn their paychecks here in the next two or three months. Because, you know, football season tickets are on sale now. Right. You know, right. for all the college teams. And and a legitimate question has to be, you know, who's going to buy those tickets? Yeah, tough, you know? tough. I mean, even, even your hardcores that have bought them year after year after year, and most of them will do that anyway. You hope so. You right. hope so anyway. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an especially tough sell this year. Um no question. Well, Kelly, I hope you have a great Easter weekend. I know you can't go to church, but we can all celebrate Easter. And, uh, you know, that's our greatest hope. And uh, we just hope that everybody stays safe. And uh, I appreciate you doing this remotely like you've been doing every day. And I'm, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm really looking forward to the day you're sitting right beside me in a studio again. Well, thank you, Bob. I value your friendship and really the reason we celebrate Easter, that very same that very same person is going to is going to get us through this. That's so. exactly right. That is our greatest hope, and that's that's right. what I meant by that. That there's yeah. the hope right there is uh, 
the hope is uh, is in the Lord. Always hope in Jesus Christ. There always. You go. All right, Kelly. Well, uh, happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to all you Eagle Talk uh, uh, Eagle Hour listeners. We really do appreciate that. Uh, we have Jack Duggan on the show Monday. He wrote a real poignant piece about Pete Taylor Park and the silence out of the baseball park. Look forward to having that on with him Monday. Best of the show tomorrow. The whole gang will be back uh, remotely as it may be. We'll be back Monday. Until then, happy Easter, everybody, in Southern Miss. To the, to the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.